Yeah, thank you guys for allowing me to be up here. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Paul. Um, I'm from this congregation. I've been in this congregation for many, many years. I was saved actually in the corner down there about 10 years ago um, on a youth night. And um, yeah, God's, he changed my, night, my life forever back then. And yeah, he's done so much in this time to come and I know he's going to do so much more. And yeah, as Clarence was just pointing out tonight, I think this, this whole service has started out so specific It's so focused on him and him alone, how he can break chains, how he can dig into our hearts, how he can do heart surgery, how he can change our lives forever. And at the end of this, I I have a few calls to make to ask if anyone wants to respond. And I really want you guys to just listen and see if that's you. Because I feel like I'm responding to half the things that I've put in here. So I really feel God is wanting to do so much and, and so much in each one of our lives. And just to... Yeah, just to highlight what God's doing tonight and what I feel he's going to do in the message is throughout this whole week and the past weeks that I've been preparing, God has really highlighted Luke um, and Luke 7 and 15 to be precise. Um, And he he highlighted two stories and and within these stories it focuses on a multitude of people. And I'm going to start off in in Luke 7 and then I'm going to go into Luke 15. Luke 7 is is Jesus reclining at the table with the Pharisees. And then a, a woman comes in and anoints his feet with ointment. And we've all seen, you know, we've all seen and heard that. She, Joey has preached it a million times, and I'm very grateful he's, he's not here tonight to criticize what I've, what I've uh, put together. So hopefully it lives up to the Joey's standards. Um, but I'm asking a few questions tonight, and I really feel these are what, what God highlighted on my heart. And he said, would I have responded like the Pharisees from Luke 7? And I'm going to explain all of that in detail now. And the second question, would I have responded like the older son in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son? And then the third one was, can I be in the father's house but not actually know the father? And when he asked those to me, my first response is, Obviously no, obviously no, and yeah, I'm perfectly fine, I have no problems. And then, and then he, just, he just dug into things, and he just went through the scriptures, and to be honest, I'm, I guarantee you, majority of my walk with God, for like the, like back when I first got saved and years onwards, I would be saying yes to every single one of those questions, is yes, was I the Pharisees from Luke 7? Yes, was I the oldest son from Luke 15? And I just feel God is he's doing so much more in all of our lives. So I really just want to highlight and, and show you what I'm, what I'm referring to when I speak about this Pharisees and this older son. So if I can put up uh, Luke 7, 36 to 50. So I'm just going to go through the whole of Luke 7 and then um, and Luke 15 just to, to share the actual context of what's happening. So we'll see in, in Luke 7, 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, 37. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So we're setting the scene a bit. So the event begins with the Pharisees, you know, inviting Jesus over for dinner. And then, you know, pretty much actually, if you think about it, what's just been happening in the last week, how we've invited everyone over for dinner And then Luke mentions that Jesus was reclining at the table and behold, you know, out of nowhere, this lady comes um, and 
yeah, go straight for Jesus. And what they highlight there is they highlight she was a sinner or a sinful woman. And they say, I think it says on there, a woman of the city. And it also mentions she brought an alabaster flask. And everyone knows alabaster flask. It's probably a year's worth of wages. And everyone refers to that. And it's, it's a great thing to know. But that's not actually what I'm wanting to focus on tonight. And then he goes in 38. And it says, And I'm standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with tears, wiped them with her hair, uh, the hair from her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So what we see here is you know, a lady just being absolutely bare with Jesus to honor him. She's trying to honor him as much as she can. She's, it's the most outrageous thing to say that someone would cry on someone's feet and then wipe them with her hair. That is the lowest of low. You're honoring this person above you tenfold. And then it says in 39, Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman was touching him. She is a sinner. So as you can see, and from my previous question was, do you feel a bit like the Pharisees in this, question, in this aspect of the story? So we're going to skip a bit, and we go then to 44, and when 44 comes up, there we go. And then he says, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her wet hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. 46. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little, and said to her, your sins, oh, there we go, forgiven little loves little. And I think there are specific, there's few specific points that he really wants to highlight in this scene. So we have a sinful woman. She's come off, off the street and she's come to Jesus when he's reclining at the table and she begins to cry over him and she begins to wipe his feet with ointment or wipe his feet with the hair and then pour ointment um, on his feet. And then we have the Pharisees who responds in a very specific way. He goes out and he says, what, what is going on here? Why is this lady coming off the street and doing this to Jesus' feet? Jesus is my guest. And I think, to be honest, we all would be saying the same thing if we were in our community groups on a Wednesday. Someone comes in off the street and just suddenly starts pouring ointment on one of your guests' feet. It's a very awkward and not fun moment. But Jesus responds in a very specific way. He says, he's like, why? Like, why have you, have you focused on her when what she's doing is a beautiful thing? And you see why from the Pharisees' perspective is because the Pharisees is... He's lived his whole life learning, studying the law. He spent his whole life making sure he keeps the 613 laws of Moses. And it specifically said, I was going through some details on it, where when the Pharisees were referring to the word sinner, they were referring to a person who had given up on following those 613 laws. So this lady was a sinner. He has spent his whole life following and keeping up with those laws. But Jesus, Jesus did things differently. He mixed with the sinners. He mixed with the outcasts. But he also mixed 
with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees didn't really like that. It wasn't, wasn't seen um, in a good light in, in that culture at the time for a Pharisees to be with what was seen as a sinner. But all in all, the Pharisees' response, he's, he's, not, he's not really happy at what's just going on. He's not, really, he's not excited that this lady has come in and, and done these things to Jesus' feet and honored him in every way. He's a bit, he's a bit taken back. He's feels a bit dishonored, if you think about it. This lady has come in and done all these things to Jesus' feet, and honoring Jesus above him in his own home. And now I'm going to go to Luke 15. If you can put up Luke 15, 11 to 32. And I'm going to explain the connection between the two just now. And it says in Luke 15, verse 12, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property recklessly. Heartbreaking for the father. The act of just taking your inheritance early and asking the father to split it up is basically the act of saying, I, I wish you were dead. Like, it's the most, oh, the most disrespectful, the most painful thing for any father to ever go through. And then in 15, he says, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens. He does this when things have started to go rough. Who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And 16, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. You've gone from living the high life in the, in the father's house to taking your, um, your inheritance early, and now you're running along, and now you've squandered it all, and you've, you've gone to the one place you didn't want to go. You've gone to the, the place where the pigs eat. And at 17, but when... He came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So he decided, he, from this place of absolute nothingness, he decided to change, and he decided to come back. And he explains that in, in 18. And it says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He didn't come back saying, Father, give me the seat at the table, the place that I deserve. I'm, I'm worthy of being in your house. I was in your house this whole time. I left, but now I'm back. No, no, no. He said, treat me as a hired servant. And some context back in the day, if a son ever took his inheritance out early and wanted to come back to his family, this was the way to do it. You came back and you said, Father, use me as a servant. I want to pay off my debt. Please, allow me to do it. But his debt was great. His debt was insanely big. He had taken his inheritance early and stolen, basically stolen from his father. And then it says in 20, But a while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And in 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. 
It's completely the opposite response that you think the father's going to have. You think he's going to say, okay, great, thanks for coming. Now you can begin your working time and you can work back all your debt, but no. He turns around and he says, come on in. You're welcomed into my home. And then in 25, this is where the story takes a bit of a turn for the worse. So far, it's a beautiful redemption story of the son coming back into the home. But then in 25, it says, now his older son was in the field. And he has came, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what, what these things meant. In 27, and he said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And now I want to play a bit of a game with you guys. What would you do in that position if you were the older son? Would you be thinking, oh, thank you, my son, my, my brother's back. He came. He's such a great brother. He just took only half of the inheritance, and now he's gone. But now he's coming back as a, as a loving brother to, to befriend us, and he's going to help in the, in the, basically in the fields and in the farms. Probably not. To be honest, if I was sitting in that position, I'd be, be saying, like, yes, the, the, son, the brother should come back, but now he should be working in the fields. He should be trying to earn back his debt because he took so much. But no, that's, that's not what the father did. And then we see in the older, the older son's response, and he says, but he was angry and refused to go in. This is referring to the celebration. And I'm thinking, kind of makes sense. I, probably would have said the same thing. And his father came out and entreated him, so entreated to plead him, plead with him. And 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So how would you feel in this situation if your long-lost brother, who probably left a couple of years back, came back into the home, and your father didn't come and give you the, the fattened calf. He didn't come and give you the robe, the ring, the, yeah, the robe, the ring, and the fattened calf. He didn't come and give all those things to you, but he gave it to your brother, so it does a little bit of a test it for me because I'm, I'm to, be, to be honest, in both of these scenarios, I'm thinking maybe I'm a bit more like the older son than the younger son. And then in the story of the sinful woman coming to Jesus in the Pharisees' home, I'm thinking, well, I could, I could side with the Pharisees. I could think as a host in my home, someone coming in, this is kind of a disrespectful thing to do. And I'm siding kind of with with them in Luke 7. And let me explain that a bit more. So in Luke 7, we're jumping back a bit. I'm just going to explain what, uh, what I mean here. So in Luke 7, if I was the Pharisees, what would I, you know, what may I be thinking? So I invited Jesus into my home, number one. Then a lady comes out of nowhere. She sits at the feet of my guest, Jesus, and she cries at his feet. She's a lady of the city, a sinful lady. So it's probably not someone I would really want in my home. She then anoints him with oil, probably messy business, probably messed up my carpets. So I confront, I confront Jesus. And because, because of that, Jesus actually confronts me. 
I ask Jesus a question, he confronts my attitude in the scenario, not the sinful woman's attitude in the scenario, which is weird for me because she just messed up my carpets, she's just done all these incorrect things, but now you're, you're pointing at me. And then Jesus says this, which is quite a hardcore thing to hear as a host. Jesus responds by correcting him and he says, I didn't give, um, he says, I didn't give him water for his feet either. He also said, I didn't give him a kiss on the cheek. He also said, I didn't anoint his head with oil. He's just listing things that I didn't do. And now, as a Pharisees, who's, I'm taking the role of the Pharisees here, as a Pharisees, I'm thinking, I've spent my whole life studying the law. I've spent my whole life learning. I've spent my whole life making sure every single one of those laws of Moses was kept and kept well. And I've done this probably, probably since like, what is it, six, six years old or so where they would have started. And I would have kept that law all the way till now. I have, we have no idea how old these Pharisees are. Maybe it was about 40 or so. And that's 34 years, for example. And then Jesus comes in. I've probably heard about him um, from a distance. He's, he's probably been preaching to a few people, and I've heard some controversial things about him. And then he comes into my home when I thought I could get to know him a bit, and he just, he just ruins the place. He allows this lady in and does all these things to me. I'm thinking, who does, who does Jesus think he is? And then in Luke 15, I actually find myself thinking maybe the same thing if I was to put myself in the shoes of the older brother. My younger brother took his inheritance early, early which forced my father to split his inheritance, which basically took me out of the ability to actually take it myself, because now he's just giving it to me. And then he went and he lived recklessly and just threw it all away. He threw all the inheritance away. And then he comes running back, and in a few words, my father turns around and says, Welcome back. Welcome back to my home. I'm going to throw you the biggest celebration. I'm going to put a robe around you. I'm going to put a ring on you. And I'm going to give you the biggest fattened calf ever. This is going to be the most amazing time. This isn't right. I've spent my whole life with him. Why, why has he done this for... For my brother, when I've been with Jesus this whole, I've been with the Father this whole time. I've been in his house the whole time. And you're almost, you're almost asking the question if you're thinking of, if you're acting as the older son, wondering, this isn't right. This, this isn't justice. I've spent my whole life in the field. I've worked for the Father my whole life. I deserve so much more. And I'm asking the exact same question that the Pharisees asked. Who does my Father think he is? And it's quite a weighty question to ask because I don't know about you guys, but I definitely don't ask that about the Father and Jesus when I'm in my quiet times. But if we look back at at these stories, we can kind of actually, we can resonate with them a bit because they're feeling like they're lost. They're feeling like they need to defend themselves. They're, They're trying to find a way back to the Father. They feel like they should be close to Him, but they're not. They've spent... Their whole life often, well, in the Pharisee cements, their whole life learning about the Father. In the older brother's sense, he spent his whole life working with and for the Father. And I can relate it back to our times, you know, thinking about how much scripture I've read, thinking about how many meetings I've gone to, how many times I've led someone to the Lord, 
thinking of all these stories about what, I've, what have I done for God? I've done this, I've done that. And it's, it's kind of making me feel a bit in, entitled because I became the judge about what God required. Not God, it was me. I decided that this is what he wanted. I decided that working in the field is 100% what he wanted. I decided that reading the scripture as a Pharisee was 100% what he wanted. I decided that a sinful woman was not allowed in my house because that's what he wanted. And we can see it all here because we're all, all standing as an objective viewpoint and saying, they clearly missed the point. They clearly don't know what they're talking about. And in the grand scheme of things, all that they did, all that they wanted to do to make themselves worthy, wasn't good enough. Didn't amount to much if you think about it. And if you look at the Pharisees, I use the example of he was extremely familiar with Jesus. I mentioned he probably followed him around. But he didn't really have a relationship with him. He didn't really know who he was. And it's actually... I kind of think it's probably the same for the older son. Most people would say, oh no, he spent a lot of time with him. But I would argue to be in the father's house and to be knowing the father intimately in a relationship are two very different things. Because what you have in the older son is you have... Where is this now? What you have in the older son is you have the prodigal son, he went where he came back. Then the father responded in love and compassion, running to his son and lavishly giving him so many things. And then in the older son, he's not angry at the younger son for coming back. No, no, no. He's angry at the father for how he responded to the younger son. And I'll go to Luke fifteen twenty-nine to 30. And it says, But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed him with a fat, you killed the fattened calf for him. Let's get that right. (laughs) Did not kill him with a fattened calf. So, so you could almost say from this response is the older son doesn't actually want anything to do with the father anymore. He specifically rejected the invitation into the celebration. He said, no, thank you. I'm not coming in. He was probably feeling like, if you look at the scenario, he's probably feeling very justified in his position. But we can all see that he was blind. He was feeling, he was self-righteous. We can all see it in his viewpoint. But what you also see is how broken he was. You see in the initial response, I think it was 28 or 27, refers to he responded in anger. Because this whole scenario is destroying him. This is his identity. His identity is what he's done for the Lord. And it's all broken because he found that his father just gave it to his, his younger brother. And I use that analogy for us, because some of us may be, may be sitting here having been in the house for many, many, many years, and I myself, like 10 years, it's a long time. And maybe we're sitting in the house, but maybe we're in different rooms from the Father. Maybe we're not actually close 
intimately really digging into a relationship with him. And I use the example saying, we can be in the Father's house, but not actually know the Father. And it's a truly sad thought for us to live lives of moral, con- morally conforming, but really lacking that deep, intricate relationship with Jesus and the Father. And I don't want to live that life. I know, <laughs> I know you guys don't either. But I think what's beautiful about all of these pieces of scripture, we've seen, you know, we've seen how the younger um, son ran away, came back. We saw how the older son is still, he's not in a great place. We've seen how um, the Pharisees is not in a great place. But what we see is such a beautiful response from actually the sinful woman and the, and the prodigal son. Because what they do is when the prodigal son ran away, he came back. He came back and he didn't come and, as I said in the beginning, he didn't come and say, give me my seat at the table. I want my inheritance back. No, he said, let me be a servant. Let me be a slave. Let me just work in your fields. Like, barely give me anything. Just, I just want to be near you. And it was exactly the same with the sinful woman. She didn't come in there and say, give me a seat at the table. She came in there and said, I'm, like, I'm a sinful woman. Like, let, let me do anything to honor Jesus. Let me do anything. Let me cry on his feet and wash his feet with my tears and then use my hair to wipe his feet. And then let me pour probably you know, a year's worth of wages. We don't even know how long this lady has been working for. So maybe, maybe it's not just a year. Maybe it's her lifetime. And then what's a beautiful response to all of that is we see the response of Jesus in the story of the sinful woman in Luke 7. And then we see the response of the father in the story in Luke 15. And in Luke 7, verse 47 to 48, we see Jesus' response. And it's, this is like the celebration in the story. It says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. That's such a beautiful, beautiful highlight. Give me some water. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now I feel so professional. <laughs> Is this what it means to be a, like a preacher? You like drink the water and now you're good. I'm looking at Clarence as a, from confirmation. <laughs> so now we also see now in Luke 15 where we see the father's response. And again, this is the culmination of the whole story because we've seen the son run away. We've seen the older son. Also, he's pretty much running away too. And now what we see is the father's response to how the son comes back. And the son comes back and the father says in, in 15 verse 20, and he, ro- and he rose and came to his father. But while he was still long off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. Let's just highlight, running back then, I, when you look at some of the culture back then, it was common that the children and maybe the wives would run. It was not common that, that the, the fathers of the household would run. That's not something that happened on the day-to-day. So he ran. He welcomed him back in. And in 21, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And in 22, 
But the father said to his servants, bring quickly a best, the best robe and put it on him. That's such a beautiful response. And then put a ring on his hand. I'm just imagining those rings with your family crest on the side saying, you know, you're now officially welcomed back into the family. And he says, bring, in 23, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. And the fattened calf, it's not like, it's not like we sat here and had a little braai. No, the fattened calf is big. The fattened calf is, is hiring, is basically saying to the whole village around you, come, come and celebrate. My son, who's been gone for years, has come back. This is the greatest moment. This is like the greatest moment of probably his life, you know? His son, who he's, his long lost son is back. And then what we also get from all of this, and it's, so, it's such a beautiful aspect of how God uses the word, the story of, it's called the story of the prodigal son. And the meaning of the word prodigal refers to, there's actually two definitions in the Oxford Dictionary. The first one means spending money or using resources freely and recklessly. You know, it clearly refers to the younger son in this case. He ran off, he's gone, he's thrown everything away. But then the second definition is actually one referring to the father because it says having or giving something on a lavish scale. That is exactly what the father just did. He just invited his son back in, welcomed him back into the home, and then he gave. He gave on a lavish, lavish scale. And I think from this this story, there's there's a lot of things that we can take from this story. But there's specific, specific aspects which are so personal to us and so personal to my own life because... What this story highlights is how we can be in the Father's house but still not know Him. For so many years of my walk with God, I was in the Father's house, but I didn't know Him. I was in cycles of of addiction. I was struggling with many things. I didn't feel like I loved church. And then then God, God spoke. And He said, come and meet me. Don't just come and meet the church. The church is extremely important. It's where we can meet God. But there's a specific aspect of meeting him ourselves, meeting him in our alone time, in our quiet times. And I heard a song this week. It was, I think it was, I can't remember the, the album. But they sang, I want to know you. I want to know you for who you really are. I don't know about you guys, but that's me. I I want to know who the Father is. I want to know the Father who turns, um, who doesn't turn away from his son when he runs away. The Father that celebrates his son when he comes back. And the Father that goes after his son who has a hardened heart. And I don't know about you guys, but if you're in that scenario tonight, I think it's the time to respond. It's the time to respond if we're, if we're running away. It's the time to respond if, if we've answered yes to any one of those three questions. If you felt you're actually relating more with the Pharisees than with the sinful woman. Maybe you're relating more with the older son than the younger son. Or maybe you're just struggling to get into the father's room. Maybe you're in the house but in a different room. And I think that 
That's really where I want to draw to a close this evening on my preach, not the evening. <laughs> but I, there's so many aspects of God that were highlighted this evening. We saw the army of God. We saw him crying out, break chains, God. We saw all of these aspects in worship. We saw the father heart of, the, of God. We saw the prodigal heart of God, how he gave everything on a lavish scale. We saw how a son can come back into the kingdom. And we saw how a woman could honor Jesus with all she had. And that's where I want to open the floor. And if Clarence, I don't know if I can go ahead. Um, and that's where I want to actually ask the worship team if they can come back up. Because all of this is great. You know, I can share a word, but the point of it all is, is to dig into our own hearts. So I want us all just to close our eyes. Lord, we just thank you that you are the king of all kings, Lord. That you're the one who we look to. That you're the one who steps away and searches for your children. You're the one who went out of your way to celebrate when a child comes back into your kingdom, Lord. And Lord, if we're far away from you, draw us back in, God. If we're far away from you, Lord, touch our hearts right now, God. We want to know who you are on a personal and intimate level, Lord. We want to know what you smell like because we're so close, God. We want to know what you sound like. We want to know how you speak. We want to know your character. We just want to know you on an intimate and personal level, Lord. And Mike had this, this picture in the prayer meeting. Um, and he just had this picture of a burning coal. And I'm just going to share it. I don't, I'm not entirely sure where he is. Um, and it was such a, a beautiful picture of a burning coal and how that coal can easily wean out and it can easily just, it can just die out. But then he saw a picture of how the Holy Spirit blew the flame back into it. And if that's you tonight, I really want to ask if you guys can respond. And I want to open the floor up in front and say, if you feel that your flame has run dry, if you're just a coal and no longer a burning flame for the Lord, I want to ask you to come forward and, and do business with the Lord. And if you haven't met with the Father before, if you're maybe a prodigal son who's, maybe you were in kids' church when you were younger, maybe you've been in and out of church for your whole life, but if you feel like you're the prodigal son and you've run off, this is your time to come back. This is your time to meet with the Lord and do business with the Lord. So again, I want to open the floor up in front. And as we go into worship, let's come and make right with God. Let's come and meet with Him. Let's come and see who He is and actually know Him as a Father. And some aspects that were highlighted so much in the beginning was this one for a specific group of people. And I really felt that some may be sitting here feeling stuck. They're feeling like they're stuck outside of the house of God and they feel like they can't get in. And I want to say tonight that that is a lie. That is a lie. He has paid in full price. He's paid the full price. The debt is paid. You just have to come back to him. That cycle that you may be stuck in is broken tonight if you come back to him. 
because chains are broken, because He, because Jesus is our Savior. And that is why we can come back into the Father's house. So if I may, I'd like to open the floor and just say, let's come and do business with God. Let's meet Him. Let's meet Him where we're at and say, God, won't you come back into our lives? I'm sorry for what I've done. Come and change me forevermore.